This episode of AmateurLogic.tv is brought to you by GigaParts.com. Between now and December 2nd of 2013, use the promo code ALDSTAR to receive $20 off the purchase of any in-stock D-Star radio. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM and the Bidirect D-Star Infrastructure Program. Welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 60. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. And it's great to be back again in the cold November here in Mississippi. I mean, it's cold. Yeah, it, it's been kind of warm, Peter. Uh, you know, t-shirt weather up until today, and uh, the bottom dropped out. Look, it's been the same over here in uh, in Melbourne. Our weather, uh, we're famous for having four seasons in one day. And the weather has been just up and down. Uh, but just lately, it's been actually fairly cool weather, which is why I'm rugged up today. Well, we've got an interesting show for you today. Lots of neat things to show you. Peter, what are you going to have this month? Well, I won't support, uh, spoil the surprise, but let's just say we're going to look into those spooky polytones that uh, I've been hearing on the radio lately. And just remember, it is, it's just been Halloween as well. Ah. Cool. Tommy? Well, I've made a... Uh, network attached storage out of one of my Raspberry Pis. That's a, a, a NAS, NAS? NAS. Yeah, that sounds like a cool project. I've got the stuff and I've been wanting to do one, but I haven't built it yet. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's pretty handy to have. So. Yeah, it is. And uh, I've got a little interview here with some guys from FreeDV, that uh, free digital voice software. Oh, very cool. That's That's a pretty hot topic these days. Yeah, it is. So we're going to be looking at that as well, and we've got um, we've got Tommy's radio over yeah. here. Hey, this is the 60th episode. Why don't we give some stuff away? You well, know, I've got a ra- this radio right here. Let's we do that. Do we that. need to clean off this table yeah. in preparation for next year's ships. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, by the way, gentlemen, um, just I'll uh, just quickly chime in here. Uh, episode 60, I think it's 66 of uh, Know How on the Twit Network, just featured uh, a do-it-yourself build for building a games machine out of the Raspberry Pi. And so I've actually been doing that. I'm not going to feature it on Amateur but I do recommend people go have a look at it because you can uh, make a MAME emulator that emulates all those uh, famous Atari and uh, uh, Nintendo games from the uh, 1980s and 1990s. You know, the guy who's actually doing that on Twitter is Brian. He's a producer for Ham Nation. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to yeah. check that out. Yeah, we've been chatting about it for a while, and he's been kind of keeping me up to date on so, his project. So has he been writing software for it? No, he didn't write software. You know, he downloaded it, and, and um, you know, I don't know if he found a distro that already, you know, an image that already had it on there or if he had to kind of do it by scratch, but uh, 
It, it's been a real interesting project. Oh, I'll check it out for sure. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, you know, I just got back from Lebanon, Missouri. That's up near where you used to live, isn't yeah, it, Yeah, man, it's just right around the corner. Yeah. The guys up there uh, flew in Bob Howell and Gordon West and myself, and Dale Puckett was there. Um, also had Carol Perry and uh, astronaut uh, Steve Nagel there, and, nice. and a lot of folks. Yeah. For a little community like that, man, it was one jam-up nice ham fest. Yeah, you know, that area up there, it always surprised me. When I moved up there, it, it's not very populated. And I kind of liked it like that, actually, but they're they're very active in ham radio stuff in that area. Oh, and they had a first-class first theater, too, that, that yeah. we put this on in. It was a lot of fun. And I ran into one of our buddies there, Tommy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Here's something you won't see every day. It's Ray Novak working. Oh, really? It seems like you guys are following me all over the place. We, we do keep running into you. Uh, well, so, uh, what, you got started a couple of hours ago and you're almost finished? Uh, no, not quite. Let's see, what time is it here? Everybody's universal timepiece, 11 o'clock. So an hour ago my stuff was dropped off. I got guys that keep coming by with just chit-chatting, so... Uh, with the stuff bolted down, all, all I got to do, George, is just move out a piece of wood. Industrial Lazy Susans. So that, that one was binding a little bit, but at one time they both would turn around so you, every man's dream is the back of a radio. Yeah, I'm familiar with the back of this one. Oh, yeah, that's right. You don't, put any, you don't connect anything to the front, do you? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, nothing's up to the front of mine. It's uh, strictly all coming in the back. Well, you're going to have to do something about that and show people what you're doing because I can tell you there's a lot of questions that come in. How do we use that accessory port that George uses? Well, we'll do that. We'll do that soon. Well, Ray, we're going to get on around and see what else is going on here. We'll catch up with you after a while, let you get finished setting up here before the crowd hits. But uh, good to see you again, sir. All right, let me distract Tommy real quick. Tommy, roll. Todd. <laughs> Man, I see Ray joined the Goatee Club. Yeah, he did. Where's yours? Well, you know, I shaved it off because even if I had it, it's so white, you really couldn't even yeah. see it. Well, that's in style. I pay to have this put in mind. You do. You're yeah. going for that uh, Duck Dynasty it's, uh, look. highlights. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a big show tonight, lots to cover, so let's get on into the emails. Peter, what's your first one? Uh, yes, got an email here from Peter, VK4FPDG, and uh, he says, uh, Peter, enjoy your contributions on amateurlogic.tv. Recently saw an episode relating to the SDR using a USB TV dongle, USky brand. I'm trying to source it in Australia, but I'm having some difficulties. Do you have a contact? Well, I'm sorry, Peter. I, I had a look around on the internet, and uh, the only place it appears that you can buy them is through uh, the online auction sites like uh, eBay and AliExpress. I got one here from Roman, WU8R. Tommy, I know that the ID51 will do DPRS, but do you know if it will do APRS? There aren't any D-Star repeaters near me, and I believe DPRS requires them. Correct me if I'm wrong. And you're, you're correct. Anyway, I'm going to buy an UHT and would love to get an ID51A, but I need APRS capabilities for SOTA. And I believe that means summit on the air, right? Uh, yeah. Mountain topping. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you're right. That's the one thing it doesn't have is, is regular APRS. Um, I would tell you to get uh, 
ID51 and uh, make you a uh, DVAP hotspot, but that's not going to pass it through either using the standard software. Well, I'm glad he asked you that question because I wouldn't have known yeah. how to answer it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good radio, but that's the one thing it doesn't have. Yeah. Well, you got some interesting stuff for us this month. Yeah, man. Uh, I was sitting around one day and I wanted to get to some of my video files and I realized that I didn't really have a good way. So I took one of my uh, Raspberry Pis and an old hard drive and I made some network attached storage for the house. Cool. Well, like most of you, I've got several computers here around the house. I've got a couple of laptops. My wife's got one. My son's got one. I've got desktop computers here. And I was wanting to get to some of my files. Well, I didn't really have any on my network. So I got to thinking about all these little portable laptop hard drives that I've had sitting around. They came from old computers that died in the past and things like that. Well, I've got th some of these cases that I've ordered from places like Gigaparts or Tiger Direct. A lot, a lot of computer supply places have them. Plug it up to your computer and you've got uh, quite a bit of storage. It's pretty portable. So I decided to take one of my extra Raspberry Pis I have here and I'm going to make a file server out of it. I thought you guys might be interested in doing similar. I know most of you have quite a few computers as well. Let's take a look at how we can turn this into some network attached storage and you can access it from all over your home. I've got this one little hard drive here that I'm going to use today. Um, it's going to take some extra power to power it. The little Raspberry Pi doesn't supply enough current to spin up the drive properly. But it does come with a cable that has uh, a place to hook up to two USB ports uh, off of one cable to give it extra current. So we'll hook this end up to the drive and the other end we're going to hook up to one of the USB ports on the Pi and for the other end I've got this dual USB power supply and we'll hook up one cable to the power supply and one to the Raspberry Pi for control and then we'll actually power the Raspberry Pi off of the little micro USB on the same little wall wart here. You're going to need an SD card that's already got the uh, Raspbian operating system on it. So I already loaded this one. I went through the Raspbian config section and I expanded it to use the entire card and I also enabled the SSH server um, for my distro here so I can SSH to it. Let's power it all up. You should be able to see the drive spin up or the, at least the light come on and the lights on the Raspberry Pi come on. Now you can see we're all booted up and the drive's connected and we're ready to go. I'm going to SSH over to my Pi now since I've started up the SSH server through Raspi Config. If you're using a Windows PC, download Putty SSH. It's a free program and you can set up a connection to it. Or you, you can hook up a monitor, HDMI TV, up to your Raspberry Pi and you can do the same thing that way. I'm just going this route to be able to capture the screen so I can display it for you. I've SSH to it before so I've got my name Pi and the login is Pi and type in my top secret Raspberry password. Okay so the first thing we want to do is everything you do you need to run it as super user so we'll go ahead and we'll start up and do sudo bash and this is going to log us in as root. When we do this, we're running the bash shell as the super user. 
and everything we're, we're going to run is going to be run under that user. So we don't have to keep typing in sudo in front of everything. I formatted my drive using NTFS on a Windows PC. Um, it was the simplest thing to do and I share that drive back and forth or I have shared it back and forth between my Mac and my Windows computer. So I'm just going to use it like that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to install Samba and the Samba common binaries that I need to enable the server. Samba is the software that's going to enable us to connect to it over the network. So what we'll do is apt-get sam oops install samba and we also want to do samba-common-bin for binary. And if you spell it right, it works much much better. And yes, I do want to take the whole 35.9 megs. Okay, that's finished. You remember me saying I used NTFS to format my hard drive? So I'm going to need to install support for NTFS. Linux does not support it by default. So we're going to install apt-get install ntfs dash 3G. These are the packages that are going to give us support for NTFS. Okay, that's done. Now we need to find the mount point for the hard drive. When we plug it into the USB port, Linux is smart enough to know that that's an external hard drive and it's going to give it a location that the hardware resides. So let's take a look and see what that is. We're going to need to know it to be able to mount that drive with the mount command. To find that, we all we need to do is type fdisk-l. And I see my 60 gigs disk drive dev slash sda 60 gigs. So the real location is right here, slash dev slash sda1. Write that down because you're going to need it later. So now we need to create a location in the file system that we're going to mount. So we're going to go make make dir slash media slash rpi share. You can name this part anything you want to. I just decided to call mine Raspberry Pi share. And it created that, that location. Let's mount the disk. Mount dash O auto slash this is where we put in what we found with the fdisk command it's right up above dev slash sda1 and now we're going to mount it at the location that we just used with the make dir command right above so we're going to type in media rpi share and that will mount the disk now we're going to add a place for the shares so we'll call it shares. So we're just creating another folder that we mounted to and we're creating it called shares. Now let's set up the Samba software so we can attach to it over the network. Let's make a backup of the config file. CP is the copy command and it's in the WAC ETC 
slash Samba. And the name is smb.conf. And we'll call it, like, etc. Samba slash smb.conf dot backup. How about that? Okay, so now we have a backup of it. Let's just change over to that folder, CD. If we do a directory, we'll see them in there. There's our original file, and there's the backup we made. So let's run the Pico editor. That's just the one that I like. I think there's one called Nano on here as well. Dash W to not word wrap. And we need to go down and we need to take the comment line off of the part where it says security equals user. So let's just scroll down until we find it. You can hit control and V to go down a page at a time. There it is. And now let's go down to the bottom. We need to create a place. Um, this is actually what's going to show up in Explorer or in your finder on your Mac to be able to actually see the directory uh, across the network. This is what the share is going to be named. Uh, I'll go ahead and just hit Control V till we get to the bottom. So let's do let's do it. I'm just calling mine RPI disk. These instructions will be on the show notes, so you can go back and copy them and review them, and you can actually copy this section and alter it if you like. This is what we created earlier to mount against, remember? Telling it that the people in the users group are the ones that can access the drive. Or the share, rather. And it's not going to be read-only. Now to exit, we'll hit Control-X. And it's asking, do we want to save? I hit Y. And the file name, I want to leave the same. And it's done. Now we're going to restart the Samba daemon, which is the service that provides this functionality. And it's in etc init.d, and it is Samba, and we want to issue it a restart command. This restart is just a parameter for that script. Now let's create a user for the share. Now let's create a password for this new user. And that's using the password command, P-A-S-S-W-D, R-P-I disk is the user. And I'm just going to use R-P-I disk again in this case. I would suggest you give a more secure password. Confirm. And now we need to create a Samba password. That's done through SMB pass. Word dash a RPI disk is the username, and I'm going to give it the same one RPI disk. Confirm it now. Let's make this persistent. Actually, let's test it first. Okay, I see my pie is showing up here shared now, and I see my RPI disk that I made. I want to connect as RPI disk and my password RPI disk. 
I can copy files to it. I can create new things. I can create a folder. I can drag files to it or whatever I want to do. So that's all working. Let's close all this and let's go back to our command. The kicker is if we were to reboot now, we would have to remount this all over again. So what we're going to do is go make this persistent. So we're going to edit the FS tab uh, file. It's in the WAC. Let's go to WAC etc. And we'll go pico w fs tab. We're going to add another line in here. So we'll just put it down below. It uh, starts off with dev, and this is sda1, which is what we saw under the ftis command when we first started. And we're going to give it the location to mount media rpi share. The file system is ntfs-3g, and this string of parameters, um, I would suggest just copying these verbatim. And let's save it. Now if we were to reboot, we should come up and everything should still work. So let's give it a try. We can get out of that bash command. Now we're back to the regular bash shell um, without the sudo permissions or the super user permissions. So let's just say sudo reboot. Okay, so let's try it again. Now we should have the pi there and it's still there. So let's connect as RPI disk, RPI disk, and there's our stuff we made earlier. So even after a reboot, it all persisted, and you don't have to worry about that. But I hope you enjoy it and get a lot of use out of it. Like always, if you have any questions, give me a holler at Tommy at AmateurLogic.tv. See you next time. Yeah, I'm curious, Tommy, to know uh, how quickly can you transfer files uh, within your network from the Raspberry Pi storage to, say, your Mac? Well, I've, I've got a gigabit network, but I think the bottleneck is actually going to be the USB 2 speed. And if I remember right, uh, top speed for USB 2 is like 400 megabits or so, isn't it? Yeah, which would yeah. be 35 to 40K per second, I think. Yeah. Okay, it's not, that's not hugely fast, but still usable. Yeah, it's very usable. Yeah. All right, now let's take a message from Gigaparts. ICOM has pushed the envelope of Mobile HF once again with the IC7100. The IC7100 features touchscreen controls, giving you a more intuitive portal into the IC7100's feature settings and menus. The uniquely designed control head provides a comfortable viewing angle, making it easy to use for both mobile and base station operation. No optional filters or add-ons are needed. Everything is included. The IC7100's 32-bit floating-point DSP, powered by dual DSP chips, gives you full digital IF stage filter controls on all bands, HF through 70 centimeters. The IC7100 features built-in voice recording and playback functions, 
as well as an SD card slot for voice storage and radio cloning, a RIDI decoder, and high-frequency stabilization. It doesn't stop there. D-Star is also built in, providing DV mode operation on all bands, including HF. Stay ahead of the curve with the uncompromising IC7100 from ICOM. Gigaparts is the largest independent amateur radio dealer in the nation. Everything you need for ham radio, including books, DVDs, antennas, rope, coax, and tuners. Gigaparts has it all and is open Monday through Saturday. Call us toll-free at 866-535-4442, and our friendly staff will be happy to help you find the right products for nearly any project and budget. Online shopping made easy with real-time pricing and availability, and free shipping on most orders. Go to gigaparts.com and enter to win a free radio. Have a question? Click on Live Chat for a quick answer. Low prices? Huge selection. America's favorite ham radio store is Gigaparts. Between now and December 2nd of 2013, use the promo code ALDSTAR to receive $20 off the purchase of any in-stock D-Star radio. So let's get on back into the emails now. Tommy, I've got one here. This comes from Don kc 9 qpm And Don says, Hiya, George. I picked up a Kenwood TS-2000 a few months ago, and now I'm very used to it, and I'd like to tap into the IF like you did on yours. Problem is, I don't remember what episode you did it in. Uh, Could you tell me? Well, yeah. Oh, he says he has CRS, and it seems to run rapid up there. Well, it, you know, I think that's a universal disease. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I kind of have that, too. So I went and looked it up rather than have it committed to memory. And it's episode 29 of Amateur Logic. You'll find all you need to know about making that IF tap in the TS-2000. Uh, Peter, what's on your stack next there? Yes, uh, my final email is from Bob W9USS. He says he's interested in using laser pointer and solar panel detectors for analog and digital communications. Ah, one tetrahertz communications. Lovely. Um, have you guys ever done this? Uh, no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> uh, love the show and hope to see many more. Also like to make contact with Peter on HF uh, from Idaho. Well, well, we'll see what we can sort out for you, uh, Bob. But um, in respect of uh, light beam communications, uh, we're very fortunate uh, to have a gentleman by the name of Chris Long uh, down here, VK3AML, and uh, he is the guru, the man locally who knows everything about uh, uh, modulated light, and he's done light beam experiments in and around Melbourne. I suggest you go have a look at this website, modulatedlight.org. It really is a, a new frontier for amateurs to be testing in and uh, with uh, new modes and new digital modes uh, that can go over long distances at very low power. Uh, you know, applied to light could be a very interesting uh, band to play with. Okay, and he also wanted to contact you, Peter, and, and you had a recommendation on that? <laughs> um, well, I, uh, yeah, I'm most of the time busy filming amateur logic or making segments. But, uh, look, I, I tend to hang around on uh, JT65 a bit. So um, uh, 
uh, the best the best way to do it is just to contact me by email first and uh, arrange a schedule, and uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see if we can make a contact because my antenna is fairly modest, and so uh, the chances of uh, catching me on air are, are a bit marginal without uh, pre-scheduling it. Okay. Well, what I was trying to get you to lead into there was your segment here, which coincidentally is on what? Um, I forget you, George. Uh, do you remember? <laughs> it's, on JT, it's on JT65. Put, or, or put that in plain English, spooky polytones. Halloween and the mysterious polytones are back. Spooky polytones. Have the dead risen from their graves or are some spies sending secret coded messages to each other? Actually, none of the above. It's a form of digital transmission called JT65 and we amateurs actually use it. So that's what we're going to look at today. In the meantime, however, I've got a quick tip for you. If you don't have one of these, run out and grab one. They're relatively inexpensive, but extremely useful. It's a label maker. You type the name of the label in here, press go, and out comes a label with an adhesive backing, which you can attach to things. Now, if you're like me, you probably have lots of DC plug packs that go with different devices, and you're probably struggling a lot of the time to work out which plug pack goes with which device. Put a label on each of them, and life becomes a lot easier. Similarly, I have this interface that I'm going to be using today that goes between the sound card on my computer and my ICOM IC751. I've got several 3.5mm plugs uh, on this interface, and they're all black, so I never know which plug goes with which socket. So what I've done is I've put a label on each of them, and now I know where they all go. It makes life so much simpler. So if you haven't got a label maker, do run out and grab one. Now on to JT65. Before we do any transmitting, let's have a quick look at this circuit. Here we've got a transformer, and what's happening is that audio coming out of my sound card comes into one side of the transformer, and then out the other side uh, the audio is uh, piped into my radio. The audio coming out of my radio likewise comes into this other transformer and then out the other side of the transformer it goes into the microphone socket on my sound card. Two separate circuits using transformers to uh, get rid of ground loops. Now ordinarily I've seen a transistor somewhere on, uh, around here which uh, is used to key the push to talk circuit. Now I can't see that, I can see uh, obviously a potentiometer and uh, perhaps a diode underneath here. So I'm not quite sure how they've implemented the, uh, the push-to-talk side of things, but there'll be a couple of components there that will be doing that function. So as you can see, uh, building a circuit to interface your sound card to your radio is relatively simple. If you hunt around on the internet, you'll find a number of designs. 
Now, one document that I do recommend you download to really understand the fine detail of what JT65 is all about is a document called Getting Started with JT65 on the HF Bands by Steve Ford, WB8IMY, QST editor. Now, let's uh, let's run through a few of the slides. I won't go through them all, but uh, just pick out some of the more salient bits of information that you need to know. What's JT65? Form of digital communications originally developed by Joe Taylor K1JT for moonbounds. Uses sophisticated digital signal processing and it also re- relies on redundancy. It uses 65 different tones and uh, over the air it sounds like uh, spooky music. Each JT65 transmission lasts precisely 46.8 seconds. During transmission, only a small amount of information is sent, about 13 characters, and your clocks must agree within about two seconds, which is why it's so important to get them synchronised. Now, stations take turns transmitting, and there's a set format that you work through. We'll uh, we'll cover that uh, shortly. uh, Stations can transmit on even or odd minutes, and then listen on the following minutes. JT65 is an excellent mode for low-power or antenna-restricted stations. Let's see what all these things mean. UTC, that's when the signal was received in Universal Coordinated Time or Greenwich Mean Time. Sync, a measure of how well the synchronising tone is being received. Higher is better. DB, the strength of the received signal in DB. Higher is better. Zero is the upper limit. DT, the calculated offset of the received signal from your local clock, values of 0.3 to 1.9 are typical, and DF, offset in hertz from the centre point. What do you need to try JT65 on HF? An SSB transceiver, a computer with a sound device, and an interface. And here's a typical installation. Now, when I want to uh, use JT65, I generally come to this website as a starting point. This is wsprnet.org, and as you can see, there's a map uh, here which shows uh, all the WSPR beacons around the world. And using it, I can get an idea of what propagation is like. If I click on the Update button... I can see that uh, there's a little bit of propagation just at the moment between Australia and Europe on 20 metres and a little bit between Australia and New Zealand. So conditions aren't exactly ideal, but uh, just to show you how well uh, JT65 works in weak signal conditions, I'm going to try it out on 20 metres. Now, to get the frequencies to use, come to hflink.com forward slash jt 65 forward slash and the frequencies are all listed there you should set your radio to exactly to the frequency as listed in other words i've set my radio for 20 meters to 14076.0 kilohertz upper sideband on my dial now the transmissions will be above and below that frequency but that's what you should set your dial to jt65 was developed by joe taylor k1jt And uh, he's also developed some software, WSJT, which can send and receive that particular mode. Uh, 
However, I prefer another piece of software called JT65HF. Uh, it's at that link that I gave you before, hflink.com forward slash jt65 forward slash, and there's a link just down here on the left-hand side. All you need to do is uh, click on the link and download the software and install it. Let's now get jt65hf set up. Go up to setup, type in your call sign, your four or six digit uh, locator grid, uh, select your sound input device and sound output device. Disregard the rest of that and you'll need to put in the push to talk port, that is the COM port on your computer that your interface is actually connected into. You can test this by pressing the test PTT button and your rig should just key very briefly. If that's all OK, click on save settings and close window. JT65 requires really, really accurate timing, so your system clock has got to be spot on. If you're using Windows 7, go down here to the bottom right-hand side of your screen, click on the uh, date and time, and then on change date and time settings. Go over to internet time and change settings, and then select an internet time server. In this case, I've selected time.windows.com and click on update now. Up comes a message. The clock was successfully synchronized with time.windows.com on 11-5-2013 at 12.38 a.m. Click on OK. And if you do this before your JT65 session, you can be sure that your clock will be spot on and uh, everything will work quite well. Well, things didn't quite work out the way I would have liked tonight. I wasn't able to have a full conversation using JT65 uh, because the conditions were just too marginal. But I almost got there. And let me illustrate. First of all, I called CQ and sent out my positional information. Then WA6QMQ replied and provide his positional information. Then I uh, answered him back, which is this button here, and gave him a signal report. Whereupon he replied back to me, which, which if he was using the same software would have been this button, and he gave me a signal report of 9 dB below the noise floor. Uh, all I needed to do was send an RRR to confirm that uh, everything had been received okay, and then send uh, each of us would have sent 73s, and that would have been the end of the conversation. We almost got there, <laughs> but uh, once I uh, sent the RRR, I didn't get any confirmation back, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, uh, a signal of 9 dB below the noise floor? That's uh, pretty incredible. In fact, if you'd been listening to it, you probably might have had difficulty picking the signal out from the noise. So it just illustrates uh, just uh, what a, a really interesting mode JT65 is, because even in really, really poor conditions, you can uh, often get a, a signal through or a short message through. The mode is very, very regimented, uh, and uh, as you can see, uh, you know, it's a bit like watching paint dry, to be brutally honest. But I can actually see some, some uses for this, particularly in the control of robots or control of machines 
at a very, very far distance. So imagine, for example, you've got a robot out in the middle of um, the Nullarbor, or the middle of Australia, and uh, you know you could send it short commands using a mode like this and uh, actually get it to do stuff, and it could, you know, provide information back to you in a very, very reliable way um, over quite a considerable distance. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a really, really cool mode, and I'd encourage you to check it out. Well, that's pretty interesting, Peter. I've never tried JT65. It's amazing oh. that you only get, like, 13 characters in 46 seconds. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, uh, Because it's sent over a long period of time, the, uh, and it's repeated over and over and over again, uh, the software is able to dig it right out of the noise. So you can have a very, very weak signal, right. but uh, it will actually uh, uh, receive it. By the way, I've actually got a little bit of a follow-up to that segment. Um, you saw the sort of a half a conversation that I had with uh, WA6QMQ. Well, uh, his name is Tony, and he, shortly afterwards he sent me an email apologising because he said that his computer had um, uh, crashed in the middle of the uh, uh, the QSO. So uh, it wasn't actually the conditions or the mode, it was the, his computer crashing that actually was the problem. Oh, wow. And then t- uh, the uh, other thing that actually happened was shortly afterwards I received a, an email from eqsl.cc and uh, basically saying, look, you've got a new QSL card. And it's from Panya, um, uh, Panya Yigpa, HS3001SWL. And that's a shortwave listeners call sign. And uh, he actually heard the QSO between myself and Tony. And uh, he's in Thailand and sent me a really terrific uh, uh, QSL card, which uh, I'll send it to George and he can put up on the screen for a second or two. Cool. I, I didn't know that shortwave listeners had call signs. They uh, they make them up for themselves. They're not formally, uh, uh, as far as I know, uh, allotted by any government agency. But uh, they like to have a call sign just you know for exchange of call signs' uh, sake. So you'll often see rather strange call signs like that with SWL on the end, generally that uh, signifies that they're a shortwave listener. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, Tom, when we were kids, and I don't know about Australia, y'all probably had something similar, but when it started getting close to Christmas time, we always waited for the Sears and Roebuck catalog to show up. Yeah. So you could look through there and see Montgomery what Montgomery Wards. Montgomery Wards. Was that yours? Yeah. What about okay. you, Peter? Did y'all get catalogs? Uh, no, not, 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 not like that. I'm sorry. Yeah, well... If you're a ham, though, there's a similar thing here, and that's the MFJ catalog. Oh, yeah, man, that thing's great. Yeah, and they're about to release the 2014. I think it's going to be uh, around the 1st of December or so, but it's coming shortly, so let's take a look. The new MFJ 2014 ham catalog is here, and it's featuring over 25 new innovative products, like this user-friendly 1 to 60 megahertz color graphics VNA analyzer, or an RF design box with a wide range of patchable L and C combinations. There's also the new MFJ white noise generator and a variable resistor capacitor substitution box plus a variable resistor substitution box. For the QRPer, there's a travel station with everything you need to get on the air quickly. There's two new full-color wireless weather stations. For those new Chinese handhelds, there's an SMA female to SO239 flex cable. The mass mount duplexer will save coax and reduce losses. 
The Vice Grip Antenna Mount gives you quick anywhere placement. MFJ's hard mount coax with SMA melt lets you quickly connect your handheld to external antennas. A new Mini 3H24 stainless steel trunk lip mount has a tough rubber cushion to protect your automobile from scratches. Tripod anchor foot braces hold your antenna tripod extra sturdy. The TPC-150 rig output power control is for transceivers without power output controls to drive an amplifier or tune an antenna. Ameritron's new splitter combiner allows you to combine the output power of two amplifiers together. The transceiver front end protector protects your receiver's front end from high RF levels. Highgain and Cushcraft have new three-point guy wire kits. Highgain has new heavy-duty 6-foot 16-gauge galvanized steel mounting pipes. Pipe-to-pipe mass mount kits are heavy-duty extruded aluminum clamp assemblies to support large Yaggies without drilling. The ARI 500 lets your rig auto-band switch your solid-state Ameritron amplifier. There's four-pack nickel-metal hydride rechargeable batteries for the popular MFJ225 analyzer and new cigarette lighter plugs with Anderson power poles and more. Get your copy of the 2014 Ham Radio Catalog by visiting MFJEnterprises.com today a lot of new products in there tommy a lot of new things yeah you know when they come to the jackson ham fest in the end of january first of february that's usually the first stop i go and get the new catalog and check it out yeah boy it's uh there's so many things in there yeah oh yeah man they got pretty much if you need some ham gear they've they've got it pretty much yeah well you know what's what's better is i've noticed that they've moved into kits you can actually buy kits to make various uh, things like antenna tuners, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, that they came up with that one, uh, which was very good. Uh, shortly before that, I had requested that they do a 4-to-1 ballon kit. You know, I wanted it for Ham Nation, and, mm-hmm. you know, for people to build along on that. And they built that, and they're open to, to doing some other kits. Yeah, they, they actually listen to customers. They do. Ooh. Well, you know, there's a new digital voice mode out there that we we may have mentioned it before, but we, we still don't know a whole lot about it. But I was fortunate enough to run across some guys there in Lebanon at the Hamfest who told us a little more. Well, I'm talking with Mel here, K0PFX. Mel, what brings you out to the Midwest Amateur Radio Convention this weekend? Well, we wanted to show our digital voice over HF called free dv and we got an opportunity to do that and we have a nice booth set up here and we're showing it exhibiting and showing a remote station that we're operating in uh, florida um, and uh, it's worked out really well for us so i'm from st louis so it's a short hop down here for us yeah not too far i tried to catch up with you guys in dayton this year uh-huh. but i couldn't even get to the booth you were yeah, just we swamped were busy yeah we had a really good time at dayton had a lot of people Got a lot of new people on the air with the digital voice, so it's a, it's a growing mode. It works quite well. It's robust, and it's very close, if not equal, to sideband now. And we think by Dayton that we'll have a release of 1.0. It's in beta now, and we'll be able to show that it, it is as good or better than uh, single sideband. Okay. So just, just give us a, a brief overview of, of exactly what free DV is for those who haven't heard of it before. Oh, okay. Well, it's a uh, HF, primarily for HF digital voice. It's very robust compared to some of the other digital voice modes. It's uh, sound card based. The software is all free. It was written by uh, David Rowe and David Witten uh, here in Missouri. David Rowe's in uh, Australia. 
And it uh, utilizes a low-bit codec, which is what really made it possible, uh, called Codec 2. And uh, he married that together with a uh, modem that G3PLX helped him with for PSK-31. You know, and as a result of that, it, it's a very robust uh, modem. That is, it'll work down into around 2 dBs and R. And uh, at that point, sideband's very noisy. But this, at uh, 2 to 3 dB, you have nice clarity. Uh, the real advantage of it, obviously, is there's no noise. It's not in the process of decoding. Noise isn't, so it's gone away, along with uh, no fading as well. And to top it off, it's half the bandwidth of single sideband. Wow. So I would take a computer with... Uh one sound card or two sound cards? You need one sound card. Uh, that one would take care of your data, like for PSK-31. And the second one could be used to drive the speaker in your microphone. So you have one for the, for the data, which is, again, everybody's got PSK-31 already. And for the second sound card, as Jerry's using here, you can just use a, a USB headset. And that works quite well. And so is this uh, Windows only? This is Windows. Uh, we have... Th- two or three distributions of Linux, and it'll run on a uh, Mac OS as well. Okay. So we're all the modes, all, yeah. all the OSs, yeah. Sounds like it. Well, that's, that's a good deal. I have not used this myself yet. I've downloaded the software. I've got it on my computer, and, and why I haven't taken yeah, the next right. step. If you have a problem, give me a call. We'll help you get it set up. FreeDV.org is the website. All the information's there. I've written the documentation for it. I pinned the name for it. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of interest in it. And we also have videos showing how to set it up as well. What bands seem to be most popular right now? Uh, 20 meters, 40 meters. There's a lot 40 meters in Europe and 75 meters. Uh, recently with the band opens, we've had a lot of QSOs on 10 and 15 meters, obviously. And uh, we we've, we've now have the Japanese interested in it. And uh, they've come on real strong with it. And so several guys have worked them here in the States so, and uh, the Europeans, there were several Europeans. But uh, 14236 is kind of our watering hole. We have a uh, free DV QSO finder, which can log on to that. It also has a chat mode, and it lists all the, all the frequencies that are available, or you can enter one with your buddy and say, let's go here. And uh, that's been very supportive for uh, free DV to have that. K7VE wrote, the, wrote that program. So, do you have to have internet? In order to use free DV, or is that just for no, certain no, certain uh, parts? Uh, we're using the internet today because we are, we're operating remote. We're using the internet to go to Jerry's station in Tampa, and from there it's all radio. Okay. Is there a chat or anything yes, like that on there? Yeah, yeah. There's a uh, short message at the bottom screen. You can enter your call sign, your location, or you know, HTML or stuff, whatever you want to do there. But normally we keep that rather short because it's a very slow speed. It's mainly to identify your stations. Because sometimes you get a guy and you can get his call, but he didn't get maybe the voice or whatever. So, oh, he's in six land. I need to turn my antenna. So that's the real reason for that, yeah. Oh, that's pretty it's neat. secondary channel. You know, it's not the primary channel because the rule says, you know, we're in a digital voice segment because it's still voice. To the FCC and the ARL, it's still data. It, it's still a voice channel. They haven't, you know, someday we'll have data, you know, and it's just data, no matter what data does, you know. So. Yeah, I know some of the uh, some of the rules and uh, 
band plans yeah, and all might not really be. Yeah, they're not yeah. quite up to date on right. the technology right. we have now. If I was tuning up and down the band, how would I know that I had found a free DV signal? What would it sound like? It would sound like um, uh, noise, basically, is what it sounds like. And that's a problem for us because a lot of people mistake it as noise. But you'll also notice it's very narrow. When you tune across it, you know, about one kilohertz and it's gone, you know. So that, that will tell you pretty quick that that's free DV if you listen to that noise. Are there any nets or anywhere people could drop in? Yeah, there is. Uh, we have nets on uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, around uh, 1300 UTC or 1300 uh, Central Time. Be what 1900 UTC. They run for a couple hours. But now with our free DV QSO finder, people can log on that and see who's on. It lists everybody that's on, and you can click on them and say, hey, let's meet and talk. So that's been very helpful for the first time a guy wants to get on and have his, you know, his audio checked out and so forth. So. Yeah, so you might just, just want to download the uh, software, hook up your computer, and just go try listening before you actually talk and, oh, yeah. and see what's yeah. going on. Yeah, you don't need two sound cards to listen. You can use your one sound card and use it to encode the voice and come out on your speakers. So, yeah. You don't need anything but the software to get started for listening. And he was just looking for somebody that he could work. Now, this is all digital, uh, you know, not digital voice, uh, digital signaling. What are we listening to now? We're listening to digital voice on 20 meters, and uh, we're talking to AA3GZ. He's in Pennsylvania. And uh, we're showing the graphics user interface for uh, free DV. And there's several screens, although uh, the, the important one that probably most people recognize is this display here, which is the waterfall. And that's showing the, uh, the signal is tuned in with this little red mark right here, right? And there's, there's a synch- synchronization signal right here. And as soon as that's clicked on to, you have instant voice. There's no latency. It's very fast. You can almost use Vox with it, yeah. And some of these other parameters are showing some timing. And this is actual spectrum in here. It's made up of a multi-tone modem. It has uh, 14 to 16 carriers. And each one of those carriers uh, carries part of the data for the voice. And then it has a strong sync signal here. You can see this one up the top. This has twice as much power in it to ensure we keep sync all the time. It's uh, very robust. Uh, right now, it shows the signal-noise ratio here. This is relatively high here at the moment, but it will decode down in the uh, 2 to 3 dB uh, signal-noise range. You can also uh, show a bit error rate right here would indicate you start seeing errors, the signal would be degrading. Just give you a, an idea of, of uh, how good this, the signal is. It also has an analog mode here. If you click on this, you go directly to sideband. Okay. So you can also listen on the frequency, too, which is one of the requirements. And I noticed in the IRU2 plan, this is the digital voice guys have to listen for us. And you know, I guess they don't have to listen to us, but we have to listen to them. Anyway, we meet that requirement right there. Push to talk right here, or you can use the, uh, the uh, space bar on, on your um, uh, keyboard as well. This display also, we're looking at what we call... Um, a fading in here, multipath fading. This is ascending a, a right now. Um, and this is, gives you an idea of how good the uh, 
propagation is at the moment. A lot of times you were operating sideband, you'd never you hear it fade or whatever. But here, it's actually almost faded all the way out. But this modem has such a wide range, it's still able to copy the signal and give you a perfect voice. I noticed that the uh, sound dongle you're using here, that's just a little uh, cheap Chinese one. Yeah, so it doesn't take anything special, huh? These are about six or seven, eight bucks, something like that. And you can plug your, you can plug, a, you know, earphones into that or your microphone into that. So I'm using this in, in lieu of a headset is what I'm doing. Otherwise, you just plug a USB headset into it. So it makes it very simple. Well, Mel, I appreciate you talking with us. Thanks for coming around. All right. Yeah, that's a pretty popular item right now. Uh, I haven't really tried it. I downloaded the software one time for it, but I never really installed it. I need to give it a give it a whirl same here since it took two sound cards i guess that's what's held me up but i should at least you know hook it up with one there and just try to do some receiving and well it's really one and a usb headset like you said though, yeah so yeah or, or whatever you want to use a usb uh-huh. headset is really the same as the sound card yeah it is but mm-hmm. it's yeah but you don't have to have two devices in your computer uh, mel mentioned that it runs on linux so presumably you should be able to get it to run on a raspberry pi so imagine having a Raspberry Pi interfaced with a USB sound card and then hooked into your radio. Yeah. Uh, could be a good combination. I was just thinking about that. I did not ask Mel about it, though. I should have, but I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably not been done yet. Yeah, they'd have to compile it for that. I doubt it's open source. So no, I think done. it is. Oh, it's open Maybe. source? I don't know. I hadn't, I hadn't looked, but... Um, you know, getting two sound devices to run on your Raspberry Pi might be a little bit of a bottleneck, too. Yeah, it's a little hard to get one of them to run. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, interesting mode. And uh, speaking of uh, digital voice on HF, Tommy, before we get this rig out of here and shipped off to Larry, what do you say we try a little bit of uh, HF D-Star? Yeah, we need to do that. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll do that. Just so happen to have a 9100 sitting on the table at home. Yeah. Well, I got one more email here myself, so let's get that real quick. This comes from Monty Whitman, KV4KS. And Monty says, Hi, George. Your AMFM kit build I find especially interesting and wish that you had been one of my professors when I was studying for my EE degree back in the 1950s. Well, I wasn't born until uh, the <laughs> mid-1950s, so that... You know, you would have been a little hard to understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably would have. <laughs> he says, now I'm uh, 75, and uh, just this past February, I qualified for my extra class by taking and passing, and listen to this, the technician, the general, and the extra exams in one sitting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It, he didn't need me as an instructor. Like tough guy competition there. <laughs> yeah. He said, all I've proved, though, is that I understood the technology and could pass the exams, but I have a great deal to learn about being a ham. To begin with, he says he has no idea of what was available in the way of radios and antennas, etc. But uh, after he uh, searched for reviews on the Internet, he settled on the IC7000. Booyah. Nice choice. (laughs) He said he he discovered it on the IC7000 versus the IC7100 program, the SmackDown. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, He said we mentioned uh, that that I was using a small composite video monitor for a heads-up display in the car, and he wanted some advice on um, what monitor I would suggest. And I'd say just about any of those 
will probably work. I think, what, maybe I paid $30 for that. You got one just like it, didn't you? Yeah, uh, similar. I got mine off eBay. Yeah, I think mine. $22. Yeah. Any of those uh, cheap monitors like that will work. Just pick you out one and go for it. Uh, A very great solution to me. That's why the IC7000 rolls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I caught you. You tricked me. Yeah. Well, tell me what's on your stack over there. I've got one more email here. This one's actually from my friend Randy, K7AGE. A lot of you know Randy's YouTube channel. He says, uh, Tommy, I'm getting ready to build my my Pi DVAP hotspot. Do you have a link for the instructions that you use so you can pass along? I didn't see anything on the show notes or the wiki. And uh, that's my bad, guys. I was a little bit late getting the... Uh, the notes and everything up there so there's actually a full set of instructions step by step on the show notes right now on our wiki at uh wiki nope they changed it didn't we yeah. amateurlogic.tv slash wiki now yep and that's where you can find a, a lot of stuff about amateur logic you know people are uh, writing us quite often and say i remember seeing you talk about this subject but i don't remember what episode and you know, after 60 of these, we don't remember what episode either. Yeah, really. it's uh, our friend Dan does a good job of keeping those stuff up to date for us. And uh, there's an index you can go down there and, and quickly find what you need. Yeah, and there's a, a search box on there, too. Just type in what you're looking for and hit search. And then it'll highlight in yellow everywhere on that front page mm-hmm. that that appears. And then you can go to the different episodes that topic was in and look at it. Well, we were just talking about D-Star. You know, ICOMs trying to get the D-Star infrastructure built on out across the United States and Canada. It's already there. There's a lot of a lot of D-Star repeaters on the air now. Oh, yeah. There's more and more coming on the air all yeah. the time. But let's take a look at this special offer they've got going on through the end of the year. ICOM America and ICOM Canada are teaming up to offer ham radio operators some incredible savings. You can get a great deal on a D-Star repeater direct from ICOM and help expand D-Star across North America. For a limited time, ICOM is offering a bi-direct D-Star promotion for U.S. and Canadian residents. Purchase a D-Star repeater through the D-Star infrastructure program. The growth of D-Star over the past four years has been incredible with the release of the ID-51A and the IC-7100. More people are getting on the air with this incredible mode. In response to the request to make the infrastructure more affordable, ICOM America and ICOM Canada are teaming up to expand the number of repeaters. This bi-direct promotion is good now until the end of 2013. Download the mail order form, fill it out, and send it in by mail, fax, or email today. Find out what all the D-Star fun is about. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM's bi-direct program. You know, Amateur Logic has got T-shirts available now. Yeah. Don't be like George and be underdressed for the occasion. Yeah. Speaking of being the best-looking <laughs> ham at the ham fest or the most fashionable, take a look at this. I saw this picture and I had to ask myself, was this you and Tommy dressed up with some fake beards and a wig or something? 
Well, you could almost sure. guess that, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy on the right, that's Mike Martin, who's in the, real active in the Facebook group. Yeah, there. yeah, he's in there all the time. Right. He's a guy whose um, uh, avatar or his picture there on Facebook for a while was like a baby with a beard. Yeah, that Remember? was kind of freaky. Yeah, I, I told him it was creeping me out and he changed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the guy on the left is Jim, KC9BUL. A really nice fella, and certainly the best-dressed ham at the ham fest. When I walked into the room, you know, it was he was a sharp-dressed man. Yeah. You know, so uh, we appreciate him sporting his Amateur Logic t-shirt around at uh, the Lebanon ham fest this year, the Midwest ARRL convention. And Ray said that's the first shirt that he's seen out in the wild. Yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and probably so, because they haven't been out very long. Yeah, they're... they're- Quite a few of them have been bought. Yeah. I was actually going to wear my black one this month, but I wore it at the ham fest and it hadn't been washed yet. So, oh, man. Uh, anyway, if you if you want one of those, we'll go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com, and you can find out all the details you want there. And Tommy, I think it's probably about time we order the sweatshirts. Yeah, it's getting that way. It's pretty cool out there tonight. Mm-hmm. We need to get this table cleared off here. Yeah. Okay, I'll go ahead and take this to the house. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, let's, <laughs> let's have a drawing. What do you say? No, well, let's let's go ahead and do that. Well, how many entries did we get this time? We got sixteen hundred and eighty-five after we took out all the duplicates. So let's see who our lucky winner is going to be. We'll go to random.org. I've got sixteen eighty-five entered here, and we'll click generate. Drum roll. <laughs> And our lucky number is 837. 837. Let's see who that's going to be. Into MLH. Lawrence Larry Carter. Larry Carter. Where is he from? Hemlock, New York. Congratulations. Uh, Probably goes by Larry. Hi, Larry. How's everything up in New York today? Cold. How are you? Yeah, I think some of that cold spilling down here. Yeah, it's going to be in the 30s here. Yeah, it's got some of that white precipitation in the lawn right now. Oh, well, well, we don't get too much of that. Maybe we'll get a little bit this year. Yeah, you can keep that part up there. <laughs> a lot of people say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason we're calling you is uh, you entered our contest for the eighth anniversary, and uh, we well. Congratulations. Really? Yep. Oh, yep, you're the winner. Wow. Yep. You're going to win this IC7100, the new ICOM mobile rig with touchscreen and D-Star. And you're going to need an antenna to go with that. So we've got a diamond screwdriver here for you. And it's got the manual tuning control with it. But it also comes with the Turbo Tuner 2, courtesy of Gigaparts. And you're going to need another antenna because it's uh, uh, all-band radio. So we've got this VHF-UHF diamond antenna here. And, of course, you're going to need some mounts to mount that to your mobile. So MFJ is going to supply your choice of whatever two mounts you need to get this installed. Uh, it, it looks like it's going to be a Merry Christmas for Larry, doesn't it, Tom? Oh, yes, sir. I hope you got some time off around Christmas to play with all that stuff, Larry. I'm going to make time. This is unbelievable. <laughs> well, congratulations. How long have you been watching Amateur Logic? 
Uh, about six months, and uh, when I saw the first one, then I went back and uh, downloaded all the archives and watched all those, too. Wow. Well, that, that first one was a little bit rough around the edges. <laughs> I'm glad you made it through that. Yeah. Well, what did you think when I uh, sent you an email earlier and asked you if I could talk with you on Skype? I had to read it twice to see if it, what it really was. <laughs> did you have any suspicion something might be up? Well, I thought I might have won something like a book or something. <laughs> no, we uh, we cut straight through it. You get the big prize. I've got a book I can trade with you if you'd rather have oh, the book. Oh, I'm very happy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I watched the shootout for that, so I yeah. was on the fence, but I think yeah. I know which way I'm leaning now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we pretty, pretty well decided that one, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, Larry... Uh, thanks for watching the show, and thanks to ICOM and the Gigaparts and MFJ and Diamond for donating these prizes. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, and uh, let us know when you get it installed and, and how everything works out. Oh, I'll be certain to do that. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you about it. You know, we forgot something, Tommy. You're going to need a mobile to put that in, so we've got this new Ford Mustang for you. <clears throat> Yeah, in, nice. case you, in case your SWR gets a little bit high, we got the fire truck to put the flames out. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much. Well, yeah. 73, Larry, and thanks for watching Amateur Logic. 73, yeah. and thank you. Yeah, 73 to you, buddy. So, thanks so much, ICOM and Gigaparts, MFJ, and Diamond for making this contest possible. It's been a lot of fun, and I know Larry is going to be one happy dude. This oh, Christmas. yeah. I, I, like I said, I hope he has plenty of time off around Christmas so he has time to play with that stuff. Yeah, and this contest was for the United States and uh, Canada as well this time. You know, we wish we could include all countries in them, but uh, the legalities and... Yeah, uh, some know. some consider it a lottery. There's just so many different loopholes. Yeah, stuff. it's very tough. We're trying to expand as we can. But, uh, you know, it's a tough thing to do. So sorry, guys in other countries. But, uh, you know, we're doing the best we can with it. And we did have a number of uh, entries from Canada this time. Yeah, yeah, we had actually a really good turnout. We did. So uh, I guess that's going to do it for uh, Episode 60. Don't forget that we've got a net coming up. It's, uh, what is it, December 18th? December the 18th at uh, 8.30 Central Time, which would be... Central Standard Time, yeah. Yep. So uh, you can do the math on that. Yeah, so you're not going to do it for us, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we do that every time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. One day we'll figure out this uh, universal coordinated time, yeah. or universal time coordinated UTC. Yeah. Uh, you can join our Facebook group. You know, it's an amateur logic group there on Facebook. There's a lot of people in there, a lot of good conversation always going on. Same thing on Google+. We've got a Google Plus community there for uh, those who do that. And uh, yeah, we're on Twitter, at Amateur Logic. Yep. And you can watch us on Roku and iTunes, and there's the amateurlogic.tv slash wiki for the show notes. Yeah, and, and uh, we mentioned the net a few minutes ago, but we didn't actually tell you where it is. It's on Echolink. It's on the Star Do Drop In Star Conference server, and that's node 355-800. That's correct. And I'm glad you mentioned that because we did kind of skip yeah. over that detail. Yeah, those guys have the uh, the Santa Watch coming up in December. We'll give you some more information about that next month. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that does it, uh, Tommy. Uh, happy 
uh, Thanksgiving coming up yeah. here. Yep, happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, I guess you guys don't do Thanksgiving down there when we do, do you, Peter? No, no, it's a strictly American thing. I, I think you'll find uh, uh, Tommy. Well, I think Canada just had theirs. Yeah, they? they did. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's probably a North American thing. Well, have some turkey like. on yeah. us anyway. Yeah. Oh, I can do that. Or, uh, well, uh, it coming up to Christmas, so, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the other uh, celebrations like um, Sinterklaas and, uh, uh, what is it, the, the Jewish uh, holiday around that time as well. So, uh, yeah, we're coming into that festive season. Hanukkah. <laughs> Hanukkah, I think, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I, you know, I don't have very good <laughs> Jewish pronunciation yeah. there, but... Uh, Anyway, that's my southern attempt at it. Yeah, that's a nice try. Yeah. All right. 7-3, everyone. See you next month. 7-3. See you next time. The 73s. Thanks, ICOM. Uh, thanks, Gigaparts. Thanks, MFJ and Diamond for making this comp. Uh, this. Yeah, very Oh, generous. man, I just screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's kiss that last one again. <laughs>